do you like surprises? Uh, now, I find when I ask that people that question, kind of just judging by how people feel, that it's, it's usually broken kind of in two really extreme camps. You either tend to love surprises or you hate surprises. Like, you do not like them. In fact, uh, it's interesting. My, my wife has uh, been very clear with me. This is our 50th year. We, you know, as we're going, and she said, you know, if you throw a surprise party for me, I'll kill you. You will not make it to 50, okay? And so I know, like, that, that's not, the best surprise I ever gave her was I, I planned a trip, and I said, I came to her, and I said, I have a surprise for you. We're going on a trip. I have plane tickets and everything. You have 24 hours to prepare and check my plans and see if everything is at work. And she just like hugged me. She's like, this is the best surprise ever. Just give me 24 hours notice so I can change everything and put it uh, in its proper perspective. So I, 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 wanted to, I wanted to kind of show this video that would kind of, uh, uh, there's this great uh, old commercial. It's a, it's a German uh, energy drink commercial. Uh, where you're watching this little car kind of drive down this peaceful road and then all of a sudden this kind of zombie creature kind of pops out and kind of gets your heart racing and, it, and the whole point of the commercial is that's what it feels like drinking our drink, which I, I can't imagine is a good thing uh, for you to do. But my, my fear was the surprise would be you know, about 1 a.m., Jack would be, you know, Melissa and Patrick, you'd wake up with Jack in the middle of your bed tonight. And so he, you know, with the image of that, that little ghoul in his head. So we, we, we'll, we'll watch the video later in a safer place, okay? Uh, but I, I, I didn't want to overwhelm us. But I, when I think about surprises, this passage is filled with surprises. There are four surprises that you're going to see as we look at this this uh, uh, passage, because we're, we're in this series, we're talking about life with Jesus. What does it look like to do life with him? That we're not supposed to do life over him or under him or from him or for him. Uh, that we're not supposed to appease him or impress him, uh, avoid him. That, that you were created to do life with God. This is what we saw last night, that, or last week, is that you were created to do life with God. And this life begins when you, when you leave the old behind and you begin to follow Jesus. And so uh, you can imagine that kind of life requires immense trust, doesn't it? Uh, uh, what, how did Sam describe it? Uh, drop of doom, is that the right word? Drop of doom kind of trust, right? Like you are placing your life in someone else's hands and, and, and trusting that they know how to handle it. They know how to take care of it. And, and this is at the very heart of Jesus' call. He says, repent, meaning reverse course, stop the way you're going and believe. Have faith in me. Put your absolute trust in me. And so it's about turning this direction and putting our absolute trust in him. And that is difficult. It's, it's challenging. It, it can be scary at times. And certainly uh, it's something that, that uh, we have to think about. Because when you place your absolute trust in someone, that means that you, you believe that they know what's best for you. And so in some ways, what you begin to see is that you are learning to let go and, and have the idea that, that, that he has the ability to care for what you truly need. It may not be what you want, but he cares for what you truly need. And this is what I want us to see as we look into Mark chapter uh, 2. So let me invite you to turn to Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. This is what we're going to be looking at today. So each week we're going through uh, looking at one of the stories in each chapter of the book of Mark encouraging you to read the other stories on your own. 
and as you do that, to go through uh, what we call SOAP. If you don't have the Beachpoint app, you can download it in the App Store. It's, it's free, and you can, uh, there's a, a little button on there where you can hit SOAP, and you can see the readings that we're doing all together. In the back, as you leave today, there's these journal, there are these journals, these life journals, uh, filled with open pages. You can be journaling through or writing down some thoughts as you are not trying to rush through the Bible, get through the Bible, but let the Bible get through you. We want to spend these next uh, weeks together letting the book of Mark, the story of Jesus, get through us as we learn to live life with him. And so as we do that, uh, uh, we are, as we're walking through this, uh, what I want us to see is this, this challenge that you were created to live life with God. This is what, what we're seeing in this bigger sense. And so trusting him, as we're going to see, watching in this story, you're going to see that, that uh, trusting him in this way, uh, that it brings us to a big idea that we want to see together. And the big idea is this, that life with Jesus means trusting he knows what you truly need that he knows what you truly need. And so in this story, we're going to see these different surprises that he has, but we're going to see that he knows what you truly need. And so this chapter begins with uh, the popularity of Jesus. So chapter one, if you were reading chapter one last week, one of the things that you saw was the unique way in which Jesus has been performing all these miracles, that crowds are coming, they want to see, they want to experience everything that he's doing. And so he comes back into this uh, little village called Capernaum. And as he comes into this, it's kind of like his, his headquarters up in Galilee. Uh, he comes to this home. Uh, many people think, many scholars think that this is Peter's home. Uh, some people think maybe it's someone else's. Some even say that perhaps it was Jesus' family home. Uh, but the, the typical home was like a, a, kind of like one big room. It was flat, had a staircase on the back. And you got to think about this. You're, you're in your home and you kind of hear some commotion on the street and you kind of see all these people kind of rushing down to Peter's house. And you step out and you say, where's everybody going? And the people say, oh, Jesus is back. We're going to hear him. Jesus is going to be speaking down there and, and we want to go hear him and see what he has to do. Uh, and, and so you hurry up, you get ready, you rush out, you join the crowd. But this time it's a little different than the last time he's here. You come, you can, you can barely squeeze into the house. It is so packed with people. And so you kind of squeeze in and try to imagine yourself kind of squeezing against the back wall. You got nowhere to go and you're just kind of standing in the back to take it all in. But this time you notice something else that's different. The popularity of Jesus has gotten so big that not only are all these people here to see what he has to say and and, and to see what he's going to do, but now the religious leaders, the teachers of the law, they have also come in to hear what he has to say and see what he might do. And so it's a very unique uh, moment uh, to listen to. And and so uh, uh, let's begin to read the story uh, starting in verse 1. It says, A few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home and they gathered in such, a lar- in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the, man, the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? 
I'll stop there for a second because it's, uh, the first surprise we see is this kind of surprise solution the friends come up with. So these four guys, they also see everyone heading down uh, to Peter's house to hear Jesus. And instead of running down there themselves to get a spot, they together go to their friend who's paralyzed. They, they put together this makeshift uh, stretcher. They place him on it. They pick him up. They carry him over to the house only to find that the house is completely packed. People are overflowing into the street. So they get creative. They, they decide they go around the back of the house. They go up the stairs to the roof. They bring him over, which I'm sure was quite an ordeal carrying him up the stairs. And, and uh, homes at this time, these, these homes, they, they would be, the way the roof was designed is that you had these cross beams and then you had these tiles. And then between, uh, from the bottom to the top, you had about two feet of sticks and mud and manure and all kinds of stuff to kind of pack it in and make it uh, watertight so that water wouldn't get through this. And they start digging up and digging through and kind of piercing through. And so first you're sitting inside and you kind of hear this thump, 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 thump. And then you start kind of hearing some more stuff. And imagine what it must have been like sitting in there. So you're sitting in there and all of a sudden as Jesus is talking, you start to see this. And you're taken back, you see it again. And now it's giant clumps coming down. And, and of course, even Jesus now has stopped. Like, what, what's going on? And all of you, it's just kind of quiet in the room as you see this kind of hole appearing. They're kind of pulling back. And, and, and finally, they, you can tell they take this, this guy, they, they probably commandeered a, a, a rope from the nearby marina. They take it, take him and they lower him down. He comes down. He's got kind of this like sheepish smile as he looks at Jesus. Jesus kind of smiles back to him. And there's kind of this, this great moment. Now think about this. This man, there is nothing he wants more than to walk. Being paralyzed, he's not able to care for his family. He's not able to, to work. He's not able to do anything. He, he basically is at the mercy of everyone else's care. There's nothing he wants more than to walk. There's no desire deeper in this man's heart than to walk. So I want to ask you right here up, up front, uh, what, what is your deepest desire right now? What's getting kind of the lion's share of your attention? What, what's that kind of longing you have inside of you right now? What, do you, what is it that you really want? Now, maybe, maybe it is healing. Maybe some of you are facing some things physically that are just beyond you, maybe even beyond your doctor, and you really don't know where you're going to go. Maybe you can totally relate to where this man is at. But maybe it's emotional healing. Maybe you feel like you're just completely broken down and, and you just don't know how to put the pieces back together. Maybe you need a financial healing. You've dug yourself a hole so deep you just don't know how you're going to dig yourself back out. Maybe for others of us, the deep desire for us is success or, or power or wealth or something. Like we're, we're at a perfect position to kind of climb. And, and you realize, you know, this is my moment. This is my moment to make something of myself. And the deep desire of yourself is, is to, to grow in that moment. Uh, maybe it's a, it's a relational desire. You don't want to be alone anymore. Or maybe you have a, a something relationally that you just want mended. Now, whatever that deep desire is, whatever it is that you think, boy, I, I really wish I could have this. This would change everything. I, I want you to hold on to that as we look. 
Because it's very interesting as we look at this, as we're learning how to trust Jesus, because notice this is what is most important to this man. This is the desire of his heart, however he thought it could be. Maybe even as he's heard the stories of Jesus uh, from the previous visit or in the surrounding villages, but nothing he wants more than the ability to walk. So that's why the second surprise is really so surprising. Notice the response Jesus makes to him. Jesus looks at him. It says he sees their faith, the four of them in him. He sees this act of faith. They're so determined. They so trust that he can do something about the situation that they've acted out on it. They've demonstrated it. His response is, your sins are forgiven. So put yourself in, in a similar situation. You're so sick that you can't work anymore. You can't take care of your family. Your friends come over to your house and say, hey, look, we found this guy. He's like a miracle healer. I don't know what his new, new uh, uh, remedy is, but he knows how to deal with what, what you have. We, we, we saw, saw uh, a video about him. We're, we want to take you to him and we'll pay for it. And you show up. You, you, you take whatever strength you have. They get you in the car. You drive the long distance. You get there. You come into his office. They, they bring you in. They sit you down. And here he comes and he looks right at you. He sees you in your condition. And he goes, wow, what faith it must have taken to come all this way and to see me. My child, I want you to know your sins are forgiven. You'd be like, yeah, that's not why I came. <laughs> right? There'd be something in us to say, that's, that's not what I'm looking for. That's great. I appreciate that. So there's a surprise as far as the response to him, but there's also a surprise in the room because what we see is that there's a a reaction to what it is that Jesus said. Everyone in the room reacts to the fact that, that no one says this. The only one who can forgive sins is God. And you can, you can maybe even hear like, uh Oh, like they know, like he's not going to be able to get away with it this time. The, the, the teachers of the law are here. They're going to say something. And you can see what's going on in this moment. And so there's this kind of surprise response. It's a very dramatic moment. But, but this is a very important moment for Jesus to reveal why he has come. See, the reason why he has come is that we have a big problem. We have a big problem. This is the first thing I want you to see from this. That, that uh, in this time, it was not uncommon to think that the reason why this man was crippled was because of something he had done. There was some sin in his life or some sin in his family's life. In fact, we actually see a very direct uh, miracle later where Jesus actually does a miracle and people ask the question. They're asking the question right before that, is this guy blind because of something he did or something his family did? And so the feeling is this man is a sinner. I mean, they probably said, I don't know what he did. For God to do this to him, but man, I'm glad I'm not him. I don't ever want to do that. And so here's Jesus, and he looks at him, and it's a term of endearment. He says to him, son, child, God finds no fault in you. Your sins are forgiven. And this is a very, very powerful moment of what he's saying and what he's revealing. But, but we see something else. We see this unique way of what, what it is that God is truly concerned about in our life. And what he knows is this, is that sin is the very thing that separates us from him. And that sin is the thing that keeps us from a life with him. 
And that the reason why Jesus came into the world was to remove the barrier of sin, to to make it possible that you and I could live life with him. And as he begins to do this amazing work, as as we're going to see that he, everything about him is that that he has come to defeat sin. Now sin, it's important for us to think about this because our, our, our society, our culture, we don't think much of sin, do we? Uh, we, sin is kind of whatever you think it to be. It's kind of whatever's right in your own eyes. Kind of that, you know, we have these kind of laws and stuff you should obey, but we're pretty relative when it comes to this. And a part of that, most of us kind of, probably even ourselves, we struggle with, I know I don't have everything right, but at least I'm not as bad as the paralyzed guy, right? Or whatever, whoever that is. Like we kind of see this kind of comparison thing. We don't think that sin is that big a deal as we should. And this is one of those moments where you see in the moment what this man truly wants, his deepest desire is to walk. Jesus addresses what he truly needs, the forgiveness of his sins. And it says something about us too. What we need at the most deep level is the forgiveness of our sins, that this barrier can be removed, that you and I could have a life with God, that he has come into this world to reconcile the world to to him. And he continues to, to uh, uh, do this amazing thing in this moment. Uh, and so I want you to think about this. Maybe some of you feel far from God. And this is a powerful moment to look at and to see Jesus doesn't want there to be separation. He doesn't want you and God to feel uh, far apart. But he's come into the world to, to remove that barrier that you could have a life with God. Notice what happens next in the, in the story. It says, verse 8, that immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that, that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. He knew they were thinking, you know, only God can do this. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which had to be a little freaky, right? Right? They know he's, he's thinking these things. And he says, which is easier, to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take the mat, take your mat, and go home. And he got up, he took his mat, he walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Here's the second observation I want us to make. If we have a big problem, here's the good news. That Jesus is bigger than our problems. Jesus is bigger than our problems. So the third surprise we see is this kind of surprise healing. Jesus isn't done making his point on the day. And so he wants to show that not only does he have authority to claim the forgiveness of sins, he also has the authority to heal. And so he he reaches out to this man. So try to imagine... uh, this, okay, again, here you are. You're in this crowded room. It's hot. It's stuffy. There's a lot going on, but there's a lot of tension in this room on top of it. As physically as uncomfortable as it is, it is now emotionally uncomfortable. Because first you have the whole awkwardness of ripping the hole in the ceiling. Now you have the awkwardness of Jesus claiming he can forgive sins. You got the religious leaders there and Jesus says, I know what you're thinking. And you're just like, 
how do I, you, you know that, have you guys ever seen that, that gif of, of Homer Simpson where he kind of falls back into the, the bush? Like, that's what you want to do. You kind of just want to like, can I just kind of disappear into the wall? It's so awkward in this room. I want to get out of here. And then Jesus asks the question, which is easier to say to this man that his sin is forgiven or to tell him to take his mat, get up and walk? And I imagine he gave that giant awkward silence after he asked it. And then he does something. He says to the man, he tells him, get up, take your mat, and go home. And this requires another moment of faith, doesn't it? So the man hears this words, and he's got to decide what he's going to do. He, he hasn't walked in who knows how long, maybe since birth, maybe for, for a long time. But it's significant enough that the idea of, of just getting up and walking, it hasn't occurred to him. And so he reaches his hands back behind him and he, and he puts them in. And the moment he exercises his faith, the moment he puts his hands behind him, it's as if kind of this, this rush of power kind of goes all the way through his body into his legs and he feels something in his right leg, in his left leg. And he begins to move. And Jesus stands up where he is and he reaches out his hands. He grabs the man's hands and slowly he pulls him up to his feet. And if it didn't feel stuffy in the room before, everyone with one collective gasp (gasps) takes all the rest of the oxygen out of the room. Because they cannot believe what they're seeing. Some people fall to their knees, their hands in the air. They're, they're, they're looking into the heavens. They're, they're, they're praising God. Other people just have their hands on top of their head going, what is going on? And this man embraces Jesus in the, in the biggest hug. And you can just see the smile on his face as he's looking at you and you just kind of see him gripping him. And then you kind of look through the hole in the ceiling and you see these four guys jumping together, hugging, holding each other, and they're laughing, and more dust is falling down on everyone. And they're saying, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. And together they kind of rush down the wall, and somehow this man, he picks up his mat, he begins to press through the crowd, and as he's pressing through the crowd, you just want to reach out and touch him, and just make sure you're not dreaming. Because what you're seeing is unlike anything you've ever seen before. And he makes his way out. And you're overwhelmed by everything that you see. And in this moment, Mark is doing something quite incredible. He is showing us that Jesus is the Son of God. That Jesus is the Savior of the world. That he is the the, the King of heaven. He is not just a great teacher. He was not just a great leader. That he has the authority to forgive sins just as he has authority to heal. Because the people knew that when the Messiah came, Isaiah the prophet said that when the the Messiah comes, that, that the lame will leap like deer. And their hearts are going back to these scriptures and they're they're seeing he's here. He's here. God himself is here in in Peter's house, in little Capernaum. What in the world is going on? 
And they're overwhelmed by this whole thing. And in this amazing moment, we're seeing all the things that, that Mark wants to show us. See, Mark wants to show us that we, just, we need more than a miracle worker. We need a Savior. We need more than someone who will just provide for the things we want. We need someone who will provide for our deepest needs. And Jesus is that one. Now remember this question that he's asked. He's asked, which is easier? For me to forgive or to heal? So when he asks that question, there's this awkward silence and you're thinking, I'm not saying anything. And the teachers of the law are all kind of waiting and they're, they're you know, nudging each other. You say something, you say something. And of course, our response, if you're reading this, right, what's the easy response? I, I think for me, the easier response would be forgive. I think I can do that. I don't know how to heal someone. But here is the creator of the heavens and earth here in, the, in their midst. Which is, which is easier? I mean, I created everything. You think it's hard for me to heal this man? But here's what we know. Uh, scholars say this, that in this moment, it's as if the shadow of the cross comes over Jesus. Because to forgive us means that he is determined not just to enter into this world and perform miracles. He has entered into this world. He is born to die. He has entered this world and his, his path will always take him to the cross and he is not going to divert from it. He is not willing to divert from it. And in this moment, what he's saying is, I will do whatever it takes to remove your sin so that we can be together, so that you can do life with me and I can do life with you. This is why I created you. And he is determined to give his life for us. And so I said there's going to be four surprises. So here's the fourth surprise. I don't think it's in the text. I think it's in your life. See, I think the fourth surprise is, is uh, thinking that, that maybe Jesus has a surprise for you this year. Maybe there's something that you truly need. Maybe it's not what you're looking for. Maybe it's not what you want, but it's what you truly need. Are you ready for that? Arms open, heart surrendered, saying to him, I want what I truly need. You know what I truly need. And if life with you means trusting that you know what I truly need, then I want to do life with you. Are you willing? Are you ready for that? Maybe the desire you have, maybe the, 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 the prayer you're praying right now is just scratching the surface of what you truly need. Maybe there's something deeper. What if the one thing that you think would really change everything was actually unable to give you the satisfaction and, 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 the, and the life you're looking for? What if the deep spiritual work that Jesus wants to do in you is something you don't even see yet? So here's a response question I'm going to give you to, to think about. Are you ready for Jesus to surprise you in 2019? Uh, ready or not... 
I suppose we have to be ready that he, he's just going to do this. Are we willing to allow this and to, and to, to go with him in this? Uh, they have the kind of faith that he, as Sammy said, he knows how this works. He knows how life works. And I trust you. I trust you. I, I think of it this way. What if for some of you, what Jesus really needs from you is that he needs, uh, he knows what you truly need and he knows, here's, here's what I need. Uh, I, I need to be used to bring someone else to Jesus. There's someone in this world that he can use me with. I, I love this story and I love the determination of these four guys. I mean, they're willing to dig through manure to get their friend to Jesus. And, and I wonder if we have that same kind of desire, that same kind of passion that we would do anything. We'd rip a hole in a, in a roof if we had to, to get someone we care about to Jesus. I love one church says it this way. They, said, they say, uh, we will do anything short of sin uh, to bring people to Jesus. And they do. They really do. But life with Jesus, remember he said this, is about following me and I will make you a fisher of people. This is at the very heart of his desire. He sends us into the world. Maybe what you truly need is to be available to him and to be used by him and to find your life really comes alive when you don't live it for yourself, but when you live it, giving it away and blessing other people and being used by God to change the world the way he sees it. What if Jesus wants to do a deeper healing than you realize? That whatever it is that's slowing you down, whatever's paralyzing you is not what you think it is. It is something deeper in you. What if when you were lowered down and Jesus looked at you, he didn't just look at you, he looked through you and he says, this actually is what you need. Are you ready? Are you willing for this? Can Jesus do something in your life this next year, maybe that you're not looking for, but he knows you truly need. I I pray that we would have the tenacious faith of of, of these five that we see in here, that we'd enter into this year in this way. And so I want to pray for us. I want to give us a moment to pray. And as we pray, I I want to first say this. Look, if there's anyone in this room and you have not begun to follow Jesus, his words to you are this. Repent and believe the good news. Repent means stop the way you're going and and turn to me and come with me. That requires faith. Put your trust, he says, in me. And this morning, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, here's what we see in this passage, that when you put your faith in him, he will remove your sin away from you. He will do whatever it takes, even giving his own life to, to bring you to God. Believe this good news, he says. Believe this good news. And today's your day. I I pray that you'd put your faith in him and say, Lord Jesus, only you can remove my sin. Only you can save me. And today, the best I know how, I'm going to begin to follow you. But followers of Jesus, those of you who are following him, I want to encourage you to pray two ways. So I'm going to give you a moment of silence here. And it's going to feel a little long and quiet. And that's okay. Don't panic. The first part is this. It's what we would call a prayer of surrender. That you would basically pray these words. Jesus, you know what I need. And I trust you. Now that is, that is a very scary prayer to pray. 
And however you want to take that for a few seconds, however you want to elaborate, if you feel like you need to explain or ask for forgiveness, whatever you want to do, do that. But I want you to try to leave about 30 seconds of silence. And then as we join into the, the, this final song, I want to encourage you, in the silence and in the song, I want you to listen. Listen for God to put a word on your heart. Listen for God to reveal a, a line in a song. Listen for God to, to give you something that you just need to spend a little bit more time thinking about, that it says something about the deeper work that he's trying to do in you. And I want you to take that this week and, and as you uh, go through soap and, and you're reading through the book of Mark, you know, write that down in your journal. Write that down as, you, as you're going through this. And look, and look at how God's word is bringing that to life. Don't just take all, every impression on your heart and just act on it. But say, Lord, I think I'm hearing you say something. And look in God's word and see if he's really confirming that in his word and see how he's doing that. The prayer team is going to be up here in the front. And, and as we sing and as we pray, if you want to come up and pray with someone, I encourage you, come up and pray. That's, that's what we do here. We pray. And so let's bow together. Let's do that very thing. Let's bow and pray. And if you want to come up and pray with someone, we'll have people here in the front uh, to pray with you. Uh, But let's take a moment to pray.